Hi, Aunt Lizzie here, and I'm here to get you out of the doom and gloom reports of everyday life by bringing a smile to your lips and a warmth to your heart. These wee podcasts are meant to give you the audio version of the Chatterbox News, published by Red Barn Publishing. These are just little excerpts from them. They're short and sweet and designed to give you a lift when you need a wee smile to brighten your day. We'll start out with church bulletins meant for notices. But my, oh my, someone might want to check what it is being said before being published next time. Miss Clara has sent what she felt um, was her version of getting a wedding invitation. So I'll be able to read all that to you and hope you enjoy it. And of course, all the foibles leading up to her going. My, oh my, drama does surround that lady. We'll follow up with some tidbits you might want to know, but if not, you can skip over, especially if you have no patience. And we'll finish up with what love means to 48-year-olds. Okay, here we go. Church bulletins. The fasting and prayer conference includes meals. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our community. Smile at someone who's hard to love. Say hell to someone who doesn't care much about you. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married on October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. here's wedding invitation blues and this is directly from Clara I'm reading her note verbatim I wouldn't dare change a thing so here goes hi Clara here another farm tale for your ears to hear sure hope you reconsider any wedding invitations you get just in case we're invited to a wedding next month Clem isn't the fancy kind so we don't much go anywhere where I have to get all gussied up But this was one of those times, and I knew I'd have to put on a dress. The last time my varicose vein legs were sticking out for the world to see was when Clem and I threw a surprise anniversary in the barn for my outlaws. Boy, time flies. Already five years ago. I wanted to wear my coveralls being barn and all, but Clem insisted I wear a dress to look like a lady, he said. That was not a day I want to remember. So when it was all over, I threw that darn dress in the bottom of the old rotting cedar chest the outlaws had given us when Clem and I were churched. So this was a day. It had to be revived from that musty old place. Well, other than a few wrinkles, it looked in good shape. The only thing out of shape was me. It was clear from the start that the darn dress had shrunk in that old chest, as it would hardly go over my head, and it got stuck on my chest. And no amount of teasing and coaxing would convince it to go over my belly, let alone my hips. I barely got the darn thing off. This dress fitting brought to mind when I was going to my first prom. My mother had bought a new dress for me. Well, sort of tight, but I thought if I wore it around the house, it would stretch. Somewhat like tight jeans. I had to get into a pair of silk stockings. You know, the kind with the darn seam going up the back. Well, for those of you who remember that. 
Now, the only way to hold them up was a garter belt or a girdle, and I knew the only way I was going to look decent was to get into a girdle. I realized this was not going to be an easy task because with a body like mine, you grunted, heaved, held your breath to the count of 50, laid on a bed and wriggled, trying to get that boomerang elastic thing on. Finally, mission accomplished. Meant you looked like you had a skinny tummy and hips, but the extra few pounds went to your chest to make you look like a muffin top and a triple E. Sometimes those spare pockets of fat rocketed up to your chin. That's how we women developed the double chin, in case you don't know. More education for you. Now, if it went south, it squeezed out below the girdle itself. I was the only gal in town with rolls that hung down to her knees. Now add that to the problem of pulling on those darn stockings. I had to roll those dainty things down so I could insert my callous feet into them. But first, I had to bend over to reach my feet. I was lucky to be able to breathe, let alone twist around to make sure that black seam was straight. That all finished. I felt great. Do you know where they came up with the idea for the barbershop red striped flagpole? That was from me. They copied that design from the red welt marks left around my legs when the elastic in the girdle broke loose from the pressure of trying to hold the whole of me in one shapely place. To top it off, those darn stockings stayed hooked to the girdle. They wrapped around my legs like a spinning top while of my toes bore holes through the soles of the stocks. I guess I should say stockings. Well, that was half stockings and half socks for those of you that are more modern. It was those darn stockings that left those welts after they exploded and went airborne from the sheer speed and landed along with that elastic torture chamber on the chandelier. I let out a gush of breath and tore a hole in my prom dress. When I looked up, I saw two brown things hanging from the underbelly of the light. It reminded me of our pet cow Crocker just after she'd been milked. I knew then I had to do some major overhauls to the prom dress but considered myself lucky when I examined myself in the mirror and realized I still had my teeth. Folks, that memory was too much. I couldn't face another trial like that, so I declined the wedding invite. This is Miss Clara signing off. Well, this is Aunt Lizzie again. I never met a gal that has more. Well, a good job she has this drama, or we, we wouldn't have a few laughs. Now here are a few tidbits you might want to know. A new female army recruit reported for duty at a small post and was told that although her quarters were in separate buildings, she was to mess with the men. Weeks later, she learned that meant she was supposed to eat her meals with them. It might take you 30 days to create a habit, but that habit could change your life for the next 30 years. It might take you one hour to complete a workout, but it will keep you in a good mood for the next 12 hours. It might take you 20 minutes to complete a morning routine, but it will build momentum for the rest of the day. It might take you five hours to read a book, but you'll keep the knowledge forever. It might take you three months to learn a new skill, but that skill could make you millions. Long-term thinking is really the key. Lose the weight, the weight of self-doubt. The weight of comparison, the weight of others' opinions, the weight of unrealistic expectations, the weight of the demons in your own head, the weight of believing you'll never be enough, 
you already are enough. Now that was from Amy Weatherly and from M.W. Facets. If the person who named walkie-talkies named everything, stamps, licky-sticky, defibrillators, hardy-stardy, bumblebees, fuzzy-buzzy, pregnancy test, maybe-baby, bra, breasty-nesty, fork, stabby-grabby, socks, feedy-heedy, hippo, floaty-bloaty, nightmare, screamy-dreamy. Well, that author was unknown. Thank heavens. My goodness, where do they come up with these things? Some people make things happen. Some people wait for things to happen. And there then are those that say, what happened? Change is the law of life. Those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. That was from John Fitzgerald Kennedy. There are two things to aim at in life. First, to get what you want and after that to enjoy it. Logan Pearsall Smith. What love means to a four to eight year old? A group of professional people posed this question to a group of four to eight year olds. The answers they got were broader and deeper than anyone could have imagined. So here we go. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Rebecca, age eight. When someone loves you the way they say your name is different, you just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Billy, age four. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. Carl, age five. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Chrissy, age six. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Terry, age four. Love is when my mummy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. Danny, age seven. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. Emily, age eight. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Bobby, age seven. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Nika, age six. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. Noel, age seven. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends, even after they know each other so well. Tommy, age six. Love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. Elaine, age five. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. Marianne, age four. When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. What an image, Karen, age seven. Love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross. Mark, age six. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. Jessica, age eight. I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. 
Lauren, age four. During my piano recital, I was on a stage and I was scared. I looked at all the people watching me and saw my daddy waving and smiling. He was the only one doing that. I wasn't scared anymore. Cindy, age eight. My mommy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anyone else kissing me to sleep at night. Claire, age six. Love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. Chris, age seven. The last one is from a four-year-old child whose next door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked what he had said to the neighbor, the little boy said, nothing, I just helped him cry. I'd love to hear from you, and if you would, please send us an email at liz at lizunderhill.com or visit us at www.lifewithauntlizzie.com and leave us a comment. If you have some stories of your own that would be uplifting to our listeners and would like to share, please send us an email with story in the subject line. If accepted, we'll also publish in the Chatterbox News that is distributed across North America. If you would enjoy receiving the Chatterbox News in written form and to read the present and past issues, please go to www.lifewithauntlizzie.com where you can read them online or have them delivered to your email for free. All you have to do is register. Meanwhile, take care, keep smiling, until the next time, bye for now.